I love you. Beginning with verse number 26, the Bible says, Jesus tells his disciples, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. I want you to I want you to hear this one big idea this morning. One big idea, one big concept that I want to communicate today in our message. We can experience calmness beyond human comprehension when we submit to His will and trust Him to provide for our every need. Let us pray. Father, I thank You this morning. Thank you for the ministry and the work that you're already doing through our children and through song and through our giving. What a great day today to celebrate your goodness. Lord, we are thankful that you came into the world as a babe. But more importantly, we thank you, Jesus, for everything that you did for us. Everything that you did for us when you walked on planet Earth. You went to the cross. You rose from the dead. But you made this promise, I'm coming again. Thank you, Lord. We look forward to you coming again to establish your eternal kingdom forever and ever. We love you, Lord, in your wonderful and awesome name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. Good morning, Pastor Glenn. Great to see you. Austin. My son took his last test. He just graduated from the University of Central Florida. He's got two degrees. Come on, give him a big hand. Amen. Proud of you, Austin. Great job, son. Great job. What causes you to lose your peace? You know that tranquility, that calmness of spirit that you have when you're sleeping? <laughs> what causes you to lose? What, what really ticks you off? What really ticks you off? What really aggravates you? What really, really frustrates you? Is it driving to church on Sunday morning? Just trying to get to church? Is it getting your kids ready for school? Is it running late for work or maybe trying to deal with a coworker who treats you badly? Maybe you have a boss who constantly breathes down your neck, micromanaging your work. Are you wound up like a ball? Are you like an, an alarm clock ready to go off at the slightest infraction? If you don't know, ask your spouse. <laughs> They'll let you know. They'll let you know how you really are. What really gets your goat? Really, what really causes you to get frustrated? See, the moment we step into the realm of frustration, irritation, ticked off, mad, angry, the moment we step into that realm, there's something that's happening internally inside of us. There, there's this disharmony, this disunity. We can be having a great moment. I was driving down the road with one of the young men in our church a couple of weeks ago. We were coming up 436. It was busy. Really, really busy. And there were cars, people moving. And all of a sudden, one guy that was just coming out of a side street, I mean, he was laying it on the horn. I mean, he was just honking and honking and honking. And the next thing you know, he opened up his truck door. And I'm thinking, oh, my, he's got a gun. What's he going to do? He opens up his truck door and he stands up on the side of the truck and he starts screaming at the traffic in front of him. I mean, nobody could go anywhere. We were just, there was a stoplight, but he had so much pent-up anger. He was blaming the vehicles that were in front of him for not moving. Wow. That's a tightly wound individual. And there's lots of them in our world. 
There's lots of people, even today, maybe in this room, there's not a great sense of peace or great sense of unity or great sense of harmony or tranquility that's taking place in your life today. I mean, we're coming into the most busy time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of year, but it's also the busiest time of year. I don't know about you, but we will have a full Christmas. We will have parties and more parties and more celebrations. And I will hear kids sing, sing lots and lots and lots of times this Christmas season. And I love it. I love the sounds. I love the smells. I love the sights of Christmas. It's a wonderful time of year. But it also can be one of the most stressful, one of the most peace list time of year in our lives. Here's the deal. Sometimes before I can give you a definition, I've got to tell you what something's not. What peace is not in your life is an absence of conflict. What peace in your life is, it's not an absence of conflict. We live in a world full of conflict. There's the ideal, you know, the paradise I have a little saying. People ask me all the time, how you doing? I say, I just live in the dream. Another day in paradise. You know, it's another. I mean, how can you not be? It's 83 degrees yesterday in Florida. And, and people up north, they're in like zero degrees. In Montana, it was 20 degrees below zero. I'm like, oh, my goodness. We're living in paradise. You know that. But the fact is, we can be living in the most beautiful, the most wonderful weather on planet Earth and still have a complete absence of peace. We have this concept, this idea of trouble-free life, problem-free life, conflict-free life. That's, that's the ideal. That's the dream. But our reality is our world is full of problems, full of troubles, and full of conflicts. Over the last 2,100 years in the world, there have been over 15,000 wars. 2,100 years. 15,000 wars, 1.6 billion people killed. That's a world absent of peace. Over those last 2,100 years, there's only been about 250 years that there hasn't been a war. And so less than 10% of time on planet Earth, there has not been conflict as far as people actually engaging in battle. But i got to tell you today, just because people aren't fighting physically, it doesn't mean that there's peace. I mean, just because people aren't fighting, it doesn't mean that there's peace. In Northern, in Northern Ireland today, the, the, Northern, the, the Protestants and the Catholics live at supposed peace. They live at peace. They actually call it peace. But maybe what you don't know is that there are over a hundred walls a hundred fences that have been built to maintain the peace. They're actually called peace walls. You can Google it while on your phone while I'm preaching this morning, and you can look at peace walls. Uh, I want to read to you a quote from one of the women that le- lives along the side of this wall. She said this in May, uh, uh, 2000, May, May 6, 2013, in a newspaper article written by The Independent. Her name is Patsy Caravan. She's a care worker. She lives in Catholic Bombay Street. She's lived there all of her life. She says, it's grand living in this community. It's grand as long as the peace line or the peace wall stays up. But I wouldn't like to see it coming down. It's far too early, she said. I wouldn't feel safe. In fact, I would like to see it higher, higher up, instead of taking down. The article goes on further to say, we just want peace lines kept because we can feel safer. And I'm sure that other people on the other side wouldn't want to see them 
come down either. They feel safe as long as there's a wall to separate them from potential conflict, potential problem, potential war. You know what happens in our human experience? That's in the natural. But you know what happens internally inside of us? We build walls. We build walls in our life to keep us safe. Walls inside of our hearts so other people can't get to really know us. We build these walls. And the higher that we build these walls, the safer that we feel. It's our culture. It's the generation that you and I live in. And we have the opportunity. We can live in hiding. We can, you know, sequester. We can close down. We can shut down. We can never have contact with people unless we absolutely have to. Those walls we build inside of our heart, they're, they're not bringing peace. They're not bringing a sense of tranquility. They're not bringing a sense of hope. The walls that human build, we will build in our lives, or we can build in our lives, we build them at times to keep other people out because we don't want to have conflict. That's the peace of this world. That's how the world operates in peace. The way the world operates in peace is they build walls or bigger bombs or bigger weapons. That's how we keep the peace. Jesus said, the world gives this kind of peace, but that's not the kind of peace that I have come to bring. That's not the peace that I offer. Every day in America, walls are being built in relationships. Every day. There might not be yelling in your home right now, but there can be an icy, cold relationship between a husband and wife. You see, conflict with coworkers and neighbors. We just want to build Fences, so we don't have to deal with conflict. So what is true peace today? What does God's Word really say about peace in our life? Well, I'll tell you, it is the major theme of the Gospel. The Bible actually calls it the Gospel of Peace. Jesus came to preach peace and goodwill to all men. It was the message, the peace of the Gospel. But it wasn't absent of conflict. As a matter of fact, the gospel brought great conflict because the moment that people stepped into this relationship with God, it brought division between them and people who didn't believe. The word peace in the Bible is used over 400 times. It's an inner sense of contentment. That's literally what it means. A quietness regardless of life's circumstances. It's an inner sense of contentment. It's the presence of joy in the midst of unhappiness. I watched Dottie just a couple of weeks ago at her husband's homegoing service. And Dottie, I was just amazed. I don't want to embarrass you this morning, but I watched that sense of joy and peace that she had in her life as she welcomed people that came to celebrate her husband's life. It was amazing to me. I thought only a believer, only a follower of Christ, only a person who loved Jesus could have that kind of joy, that kind of peace. A person who has a relationship with God. The general meaning is this sense of wholeness, unity, a restored relationship. Everyone wants peace in our world. Everyone. Everyone. Leaders set across tables trying to broker deals of peace. Business, corporate titans and executives want peace so that prosperity can continue to roll. Parents want peace with their children. Bosses want peace with their, with their, with their employees. Employees want peace with their employers. 
We all want peace. We live for peace. It's the great quest of the human heart. Our nation spends hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. 20% of our gross domestic product is spent on maintaining peace in the United States of America. Peace. But is it really peace? So there's two things I want you to hear about peace this morning. First, there's the nature, the essence of true peace. Biblical peace. Biblical peace in your life and my life comes when we find, first of all, we have peace with God. Peace in this life and your life will only come when you, first of all, have peace with God. You see, until you have peace with God, there is constant tension, constant friction, constant frustration, constant trying to figure it out. And the older people get, the closer they get to eternity, the less peace there is. The Bible says it like this in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. Peace with God. He's the Prince of Peace. It's the essence of our peace. And it starts with a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't have peace today unless you're with God. Walking with God. Unless you know that you have a relationship with Him today. So if you're longing for genuine peace in your life, it'll never happen until you surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's where it starts. Therefore, since we've been justified, we've been made right We've been made right. The defender, he's defended us before a holy God. We have peace with him. That's your first step. Your first step in understanding how peace lives and dwells, how you can live a life of peace, is you've got to understand the nature of peace, that you have a relationship with God. The second thing is you can have peace of God. When we have peace with God, then we can have the peace of God. The Good News Bible translation translates Romans fourteen seventeen like this. For God's kingdom is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not about just living life. It's not just about going on our business and making money and having... That's not, no, no, no. It's not just about those things. But it is the righteousness. It is of the righteousness and the peace and the joy which the Holy Spirit gives. It's the peace of God that passes all of your human understanding. It's the fruit of being reconciled in right relationship with your Savior. The peace of God. The peace of God isn't determined by your circumstances that you're experiencing at this moment. The peace of God in your life isn't determined by what's happening externally in your life today. It doesn't matter if you're walking through challenges and struggles and trials. It doesn't even matter if there was a war taking place on the outside. See, when you have the peace of God, there's an absence of war on the inside. See, that's the peace of God. The peace of God is an absence of war on the inside of your spirit man or your life. See, you're a born-again believer. The Holy Spirit lives in you to make the godly life possible. He's your advocate. He's the parakletos. The word literally means helper. One who comes alongside to help you. Because you can't do this on your own. It's impossible. It is impossible. But as you walk in step with the Holy Spirit today, the fruit of being a right relationship with God is His peace. 
We're not trying to conjure this up. We're not trying to make this happen. We're not looking for an external mechanism, a drug, a certain relationship, a position at work, or anything else to bring us into right relationship and bring the peace that only God can offer. Because the peace of God is your supernatural source. The peace of God is your supernatural source. Jesus said in John chapter 14, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. This is what Jesus offers to us as followers of Christ today. Listen, His Holy Spirit will remind you in the midst of the biggest storm, the biggest challenge, the biggest problem, the smallest storm, the smallest challenge, the smallest problem, whatever you are walking through in your life, the Holy Spirit that lives and abides and dwells in us as followers of Christ, He's here to help you. He's here to remind you that He's your source. He's your strength. You're not on your own. You don't have to do this by yourself. It's not by your might. It's not by your power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Oh, come on. You can give the Lord a hand clap for that this morning. Hope. The hope of God doesn't put you to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. That relationship with God. The reality of His presence. The risen Savior has left us His Spirit. He lives in us. The Prince of Peace lives in you, and He lives in I. Regardless of the situation, any believer can, can find an inner calm. Jesus told His disciples, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Don't let your heart be troubled today. Don't be overwhelmed today. The Holy Spirit is here. He's your friend. He's helped. He's here to give you that supernatural source of inner calmness. The peace of God does not depend on circumstances, but on a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, in me, you have peace. But you have to be in Him. You have to be abiding in Him. You have to be walking with Him. He has to be your Savior and your friend. So here's the deal. There's this ideal. There's what I call living the dream, the paradise, the world absent of conflict, trouble, or problems. And it's just an ideal. Because in this life, we'll never attain it. In this life, you'll never completely attain. You'll never complain a problem-free, a trial-free, a conflict-free life. Jesus said, in this life, you'll have trouble. But be of good cheer. See, the ideal is this. The reality is this. But the Word says this. See, I'm not moved by what I see. I can't be. Because my world is up and down and frustration and challenges and conflicts and all these things just like you experience. I, I can't be moved by that. I can't be moved by what I hear. I've had lots of people say lots of negative things to me, talk bad about me, communicate to me in ways that I didn't like. I, I've experienced that just like you. But I can be moved. I can be moved by every word that proceeds from the book of God. See, this is your source today. God's word. See, God's part, our part. God's part. God did his part when he sent his son Jesus. So how do we live a life of peace? 
This is our part. This is my part. This is my part. And i got to tell you, I'm a pilgrim just like you. There are times that I walk through this, and it seems to work well. There are times of my life when there is peace. There's an absence of peace in my life because I don't walk this out. And Paul gives a really clear prescription. If, if you went to a doctor today and you had a medical condition and he, he wrote out this prescription, he says, you know, people that try this, every time they try it, it works every single time. Guess what you would do? You would do it. You would try it. Every single time that this is practiced, every single time, it works. In Philippians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and, he, and, he's, and he's not in a good state. He's not a, in a good position. He's not in a good place. He's actually been thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. And in prison in biblical times, they were nasty. It wasn't like, you know, the little places that we have over here at John Polk. It wasn't, wasn't anything like the kind of jails, even though they're, they're not a place that anyone wants to be. They're nothing, they were nothing like that. They were very, 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 I mean, the, the ceiling of a prison may be four and a half feet high, maybe four and a half feet. I, I was over in Europe in, in the 1990s, and I remember my wife and I went into one of these old, old, you know, 2,000-year-old prisons, and it was maybe four feet high. There was a trench that ran right through the middle of it, and it's where the raw sewage would go. I mean, Paul's in a prison in Philippi, and it's nasty. It's not a place where anyone wants to go, and he has no friends. Everyone has left him. He has maybe one or two guys that are still close to him. And he's writing this letter to the church of Philippi, this, this church in Macedonia that he passionately loves. He loves, and they love him, and they're concerned about him. They can't do anything there. Thousands of miles or hundreds of miles. Hundreds of miles would be thousands of miles away in biblical times. They're, they're months and months of journeys away. There's nothing they can do. Paul writes these words in Philippians chapter 4. And listen to what he says here. Do not be anxious about anything. Actually, verse number, let's start with verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Two things here. First, he says, practice a lifestyle of worship. Practice a lifestyle of worship. When your relationship with your spouse has gone sideways, rejoice in the Lord. When the boss has just given you a pink slip or you lost your job, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say Rejoice. The doctor has given you a bad report. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. When your coworker and you have conflict in the job and you don't see eye to eye, the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I mean, whatever you're walking through, listen, if you do this prescription, if you live this way, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then I love what he says here. He says, let your gentleness in other words, act right towards other people. I can't control what other people do in my life. I can't control my kids. I can't control my wife. I know that one for sure. <laughs> I can't control anybody. I can hardly can control myself. But I'm responsible to control myself. That really is the battle. The greatest challenge I have. Sometimes we have challenges and problems with people, and we find ourselves kind of in this mindset, why? Why did this happen? Why did they do this? Why? The, the why question. You know the why question never leads you to the right answer. 
It just doesn't. You can ask why, 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 why did this happen? Why did they do that? Why am I here? Why? You can ask why, 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 why. Why never gets you to where you want to go. But when your mind begins to shift, when you begin to think differently, as much as it is possible within you, so Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, how do you want me to respond to this person? That's when things begin to change in your life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And look what he says here. He says, let your, and let your peace be evident to all. Let your, this relationship begin to work out your life with all people. And then what he says here, and, verse number seven, and number six, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, or prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So we, we rejoice, we act right, and then we're not anxious for anything. You know, the islanders uh, have a saying, don't worry, be happy. Actually, there's a little song I like to say. <laughs> I love that song. Don't worry. Be happy. It's exactly what Jesus said. Don't worry. Be happy. In this life, you will have trouble. Paul says, don't be anxious. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid, for God is with you. What are you anxious about today? What gets you all balled up? I mean, every person's at a different stage in a different place. Some people get very anxious about the end of their life. Some people get very anxious about not being able to pay their bills. Some people get very, very anxious. I had someone in my office recently had a relationship challenge with their young son, and they were very anxious about the direction that their child was going. Very anxious. Very frustrated. So I'll take care of it. I'll fix it. I'll make it happen. Wow, I don't know. Don't be anxious for anything. And look what he says here. Look what he says here. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. <laughs> pray about everything. I don't know about you, but I don't pray about everything. I don't do it the way I should. I mean, I was reading through this. I had an issue in my life in the last week, and I did exactly the opposite of these things. And there was a lot of conflict and a lot of strife. As I began to read these scriptures, my mind began to realize my need, my own need, my own need for my supernatural source. Just pray about everything. And then finally he says, think positive. Think right. Just list it out. Talks about thinking right, having the right thoughts and the right attitudes, the right mindset. Thinking right is up to you. And here's a really practical way that you can do it. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about prayer. And he says, when you pray, when you pray, pray in the Spirit. And then he says something very interesting. He, he equates the prayer life, the prayer life to spiritual armor from ancient Roman times. And he says it like this. He says, put on the full armor of God. And I do this Many, many times. We have these little prayer cards around here. We call them the Hour of Power prayer cards. Or, you know, Could you not tarry prayer cards? And, and, and they help you to walk through how you can actually pray for an hour. And, and it's based off the Lord's Prayer, teaching the disciples how to pray. Paul said it like this. He said, put on the full armor of God. He talks about the helmet of salvation. 
when you put on God's word, when you put on, you begin to think God's thoughts, you're putting on the helmet of salvation. And then when the wrong thoughts and the wrong attitudes and the bombardments and the things that are coming into your mind, when you have the salvation of the helmet of salvation on, your mind has the power to be able to deflect it. Put on the full armor of God. He talks about the breastplate of righteousness and talks about our loins girded about with truth and our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And he says the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God, which is the sword. So you're thinking right. You're, you're, you're meditating on the Word of God. You're, you're the reality today for every person here today, for all of us, this is the challenge. And the great question for all of us is, so what? So what? If we do this, so what? And here's what Paul says. And the peace of God will guard your thoughts. The peace of God will defend you. I love this concept. It, it, Paul uses a military word here. It literally means to stand at post and guard against the aggression of an enemy. When peace is on guard, the Christian has entered into a citadel for which nothing can dislodge him. The peace of God, it guards against the aggression of the enemy. See, once again, God is fighting your battle. God is working on your behalf. And then he says, in verse number 9, he says, The God of peace will be with you. It won't just defend you. The God of peace will be with you. Be with you. He's the Prince of Peace. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And he rules and reigns in the hearts of those who surrender their life to him. It's available. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. He's the God who is with you today. He's with you today. One of the great stories, one of the great Christmas stories took place in 1914, almost 100 years ago. World War I had begun. It was the war to end all wars. This was going to be the last war that humanity would ever have. It was horrific. It was horrific. There was a shot fired that, that killed the Duke in Austria, and Germany and England went to battle. They used France as their battleground, and they began to use mechanisms and weaponry of war that they'd never used before. Uh, I mean, just horrific things were taking place. Thousands of people were being killed. One day, it was coming upon Christmas Eve, the Germans were on one side of the line, and the British were on the other side of the line. It's not exactly sure how it happened, but something began to change in the atmosphere. The troops that had been lined up to kill one another began to celebrate Christmas. The story actually goes that the song from the German side began to come over the, across the line, and they could hear the song, Silent Night, Holy Night. And as they, the, the British heard the Germans singing that song in, in German. The English began to sing that song in England. And in one moment of time, the war completely stopped. The war completely stopped. They actually had some trees, and they started decorating trees, and they started sharing their food among one another. And then within just a short period of time, the, the two sides, they met out in the middle. The Germans, who 
were commissioned to kill the British, and the British who were commissioned to kill the German met in the middle to begin to play soccer and exchange gifts. And for seven days, from December 25th until January 1st, there was peace on the battlefield. There was peace on the battlefield. And it all started with one song. One song. Prince of Peace entered into that environment. After that, the truce is broken. And the rest is history. See, I want you to know today that Christ is coming again. He is the Prince of Peace. But in the meantime, in the meantime, what are you going to do? What are you going to do today? Are you going to continue to live your life with an absence of fear and frustration and anger and balled up? Or are you going to do like Paul said? You're going to come to your source. You're going to allow the Prince of Peace to fill your heart today. I want you to stand with me this morning as we close. I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. Just close your eyes right now. The Prince of Peace is in this room. Spirit is here today. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you're experiencing in your life today. But I want you to know that God's peace is available for you. I don't know what's happened to your business. I don't know what's happened in your relationships. I don't know what you're walking through, what kind of report you got from the doctor, or what kind of relationship you have with your kids. I don't know what's happened in your life today. But I know that God's with you. He wants to be with you anyway. With every eye closed, I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me today? an area of your life that has an absence of peace. There's an area of life that just continually brings frustration and pain. You haven't dealt with it well. Is that you today? Peace is possible. Peace is possible. But not as the world gives. It's the peace of Christ given by His Spirit. And it's the fruit of being in a right relationship with I want to first speak to the person here today that doesn't have a relationship with God. I just, I don't know how else to say this, but you know you're in this room and you know that your life isn't where it should be with the Lord. Whereas Christians, we talk about serving Christ or following Jesus, being a Christ follower. You know today that you wouldn't identify yourself that way. Yeah, you believe in God or know about God, but really living for God, you know you're not there. I'm speaking to you. God loves you today. His love is overwhelming. His love is amazing. His love is amazing. And the peace that he offers is a peace that you can never purchase or never buy. It's a free gift. It's the gift of peace. And he's offering it to you today. If that's you this morning, you know your life's not right with God. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. We're going to pray together in just a moment. One, two, three. Right now in this room. Anyone in this room? Life isn't right with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone here today? Anyone else? You're a believer today. You're a Christ follower. You know the Lord. There's an absence of peace in your life. And there's all kinds of stuff going on. And you just, you need a fresh touch from heaven. You need a fresh dose of God's Spirit. Paul said that we're to be filled with the Spirit. You just before you leave this place, you just want someone to pray for you. You want a fresh, fresh dose of God's Spirit in your life before you leave to, here today. If that's you, can you just lift your hand? Anyone in this room? Amen. 
we're going to conclude this morning. I, I want everyone to say this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. Thank you that you've come to fill me. And I receive your grace. And I receive your strength. And I receive your peace in your wonderful name. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to close this morning as we declare the goodness of our Lord. Amen. Let's worship.